Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, chaplain, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. In the year King Uzziah died... Isaiah in his vision says, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, and his train filled the temple. Think of that. Think of the words, his train fills the temple. That's where God's throne is. That's what Isaiah said. That's what Ezekiel says. That's what John says. God's throne is in the temple and he fills it all. Micaiah in Kings, in 1 Kings 22, that prophet, verse 19 says, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne, and in the midst of the host of heaven, sitting by him on his right hand and on his left. Now there's a true vision of heaven. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he was sitting on a throne and all around him. Remember the seraphims that are crying back and forth, Holy, holy, holy. We're going to see those very seraphims right here. Those winged creatures that are before the throne. So that's all that's going on around the throne. And as we see before His throne, around the throne, and on the throne, one sitting as a jasper stone. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one who sat on... And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardis stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. What does that mean? Well, the jasper was a crystal clear gem. We call them diamonds. And there was the sardis and the jasper stone. In chapter 1, Ezekiel describes it as a blazing light, like a a fire coming out of the throne. And here we have the eternal God sitting, the enthroned king, describing this flashing, this flaming light, the color. This is His glory, His splendor, His beauty, the wrath of His character. But the jasper stone is mentioned here, and we find it a little bit farther on. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 21, it says the brilliance of the holy city, Jerusalem, is as the brilliance of the glory of God. And it's referring to that as the jasper stone. His brilliance is very closely related to the stone that's crystal clear. And that's why we understand that this is a diamond. It's precious. It's magnificent. And here John sees the throne. It's not a peaceful vision. It's not a comforting vision. It's a flashing, brilliant, glorious, splendorous, magnificent, and all that's happening around it. And we have the angels that are there, and they're crying out, Holy, holy, holy! The appearance of the Almighty God is clear and brilliant and blazing and full of fiery fury. Because I don't want you to miss anything that's intended maybe by these two stones. Just kind of a footnote, the jasper and the sardis were the first 
and the last stones that went on the breastplate of the high priest. And they represented Reuben, the firstborn, by the jasper. Benjamin, the final, the lastborn, was represented by the sardis. It's interesting because Reuben's name, represented by jasper in the Hebrew, means behold a son. And Benjamin means son of my right hand. So I wonder if in all of that he is not giving the place to Jesus Christ. Behold my son. Behold this. And all of that is seen in the figurative language that's here. And that Jesus is going to fulfill the covenant. God is going to fulfill the covenant with Israel. God is going to take care of all of those. So thirdly we have... First on the throne, then uh, first the throne, then on the throne, around the throne. And we see there in verse 3, there was the rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. However, this rainbow is not like we think as a half circle. It is a complete circle. It goes all the way around the throne. And it has a green as an emerald appearance. Now, when we look at rainbows... And of course, we remember the rainbow was a sign of the covenant of God, that He would never destroy earth again by water. This is a sign of the covenant of God. But it's green. Speaking of Eden, speaking of peace, speaking of grace and mercy. But the emerald in this way, even though there may have been other views or other spectrums that are there, it's dominated by the green because the green emerald gives us an idea of back to Eden. Back to that place where man was originally should have been. Something wonderful. As we see the throne, the pouring out of the fury, the flashing, the, the brilliance, the glowing, the white, the red flames. All of a sudden we have this cool, coolness of a rainbow around it. You see, I'm trying to lay out word pictures for you so that you can see. It's God's way of saying that He'll never destroy the world by water. The rainbow is a promise that Satan has been tried and God is going to bring about judgment on the ungodly. And so at the very center of the throne, we see the beautiful green hue of God's faithfulness. Wrath is never at the expense of of faithfulness. Judgment never overrules promise. God is powerful enough, enough to crush everyone with a thought, just his thought, and he could crush. But that would cause us to live in fear and not recognizing his faithful mercy. I want us to see that in all of this we recognize his faithful mercy. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Why? Because God is merciful. God is faithful. God is just. He will be gracious. He will keep His promise. But then there were the 24 living elders. The 24 elders are exciting and we're going to see them 24 times they're mentioned in this book. 24 times we see them. And they have an elevated place. And some have said, well this is Israel in the church. 12 apostles, 12 tribes. However, there were 24 divisions of the priest in the temple. And I think that they represent something more than just Israel and the church. And I think as we look, let's just look over to chapter 5 and verse 9 and 10. Because your verses may, your version may have a little different reading. 
Mine says, and this is the song of the 24 elders that fall down, each one having a crown and each one having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. You have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, you have made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. Older translations and older manuscripts will change that pronoun from us to them. You have made them kings and priests. You have made them to God by your blood. You have made them kings and priests to our God, and they shall reign. Depends on which version you're reading. But you see, that depends on who you see these 24 elders as being. Who are they? Are they just Israel and the church? Or are they much more? Are they ruling? Elders are always associated here with the four living creatures in the divine acts of worship. And here they have... Thrones. Now thrones are related to heavenly powers. And the term elder is used both in the Old and the New Testament for those that are in positions of rulers. They're clothed in white. Now generally, that belongs to the saints. But there are angels that are clothed in white raiment. So likewise, as crowns of gold. That is something for the redeemed. But here, this refers to a royal dignity of those that are closely associated around the throne. They carry bowls of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Carrying the saint, the prayers, is always a job of the angels. And so, maybe we could understand this just like we saw in chapter 2 and 3 to the angel of the church at... We saw those as being angelic messengers, but also in an earthly realm as being the pastor to the church, the messenger... And so we see that maybe these 24 elders have a different kind of a role. That they are in a special class as being presented and they have a purpose of helping Israel, a purpose of helping the church. Hi, this is Paul Thomas. Sorry to interrupt your listening. Permit us to take a moment to let you know how you can contact us at School of Ministry. You can now reach us at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. You can also reach us at P.O. Box 837, Valley Springs, California, 95252. Thank you for tuning in. Now, back to the message. But the blazing light is reflected off of these beautiful jewels, and I want to close out with this. The Talmud, the rabbinical writings, say that there are four primary forms of life in all of God's creation. Man, calf, lion, and eagle. They felt that creation was represented by these four. As a matter of fact, the tribes in the camps of Israel, the three tribes that were under the four banners, that those that were under the tribe of Reuben symbolized by the man. Those tribes that were gathered by Dan were symbolized by the eagle. There were several tribes gathered to Ephraim, and they were symbolized by the calf or the ox. And several tribes under Judah that was symbolized by the lion. 
You see, these four living creatures that are around the throne, it's possible that the lion symbolizes strength and power. The calf symbolizes service. The eagle symbolizes speed. The man symbolizes reason. And so what we have are cherubims around the throne that are able to see and aware of vast amounts of information and action. And these angels are powerful. They're dutiful. They're serving. They're rational. They're swift beings discharging their duty. And I think that they are symbolic in this regard. The lion symbolizing strength and power. The calf service rendered. The man reason. The eagle speed. They're swift. They're rational. Their service is ready. They are always ready to go. So in conclusion, we're going to come back. We want to see more because I've just barely scratched what we could possibly see. And maybe I've belabored some of this on the throne so that you would recognize the great glory of God. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming on this world. But the door is still open. The door is still open in heaven. And you can come. You can still come. There are those loved ones that do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The door is still open to come. Because the wrath of God is coming. The judgment on sin is coming. And we recognize it only takes one sin to make us a sinner. It only makes one time. And we have fallen short. We need His grace and His mercy. His grace and mercy flow from the throne. We've seen the mighty God. I want us to see God high and lifted up so that we recognize like Isaiah, woe is me. I have fallen so far short. I need your faithfulness, your mercy, your grace. And it's still open and available today. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.